This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. They're not PC So if occasional foul language turns you off Then you have all been warned This is the call before the storm the best reality check you can ever get in life Is seeing the people that dating apps suggest to you Get ready for the social hour in Spokane, Washington. This is The Social Hour. On today's show, comedian Tristan Miller. And now your host. Waiting for Wyclef Jean to finally fulfill his promise and come back. D. Malam Keen, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Social Hour. I am Deese. Thank you for coming around for a, another episode of the show. We have a good one planned for you. We're going to be talking to uh, comedian uh, Tristan Miller in just a moment. Uh, before that, guys, as usual, uh, check out our sponsor, Blue Spot Comics, your number one source for uh, online comic books, back issues, uh, new rare variants, and uh, much, much more. Uh, go to Blue Spot Comics on Instagram or Facebook. Follow them. And use promo code SOCIALHOUR to get an extra 10% off your first order. Uh, and as usual, guys, go to DeeseComedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. We have new shows, live shows coming up. Um, get your tickets. I'm going to be down in Southern California, uh, across the Southland, all through the first two weeks of December. So make sure you're getting your tickets. For those, uh, they're selling fast. Uh, that's it, guys, for the uh, paying the bills. We're going to get in with our guest all the way uh, from Queens, New York. Uh, please <laughs> welcome uh, comedian Tristan Miller. Tristan, how you doing? Thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty all right. I'm doing doing okay. You making it out there? What? Uh, it's got <laughs> New York has got to be. It's still kind of kind of wild out there right now, right? Or I mean, yeah. I mean, things are you know coming back. They're opening up. Uh, there's still you know job scarcity. And I was at the grocery store and I found I encountered the oh we've pushed everything to the front. And there's nothing in the back on the shelves for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, things are a little wild. Um, but m- most people, you know, they got their their shots. And they kind of got... I, I hate to say frightened into it, but, you know, that's kind of the reason you do it, right? It's because sure. you're frightened that you're going to get the, the disease. Um, so <laughs> that's been going up. And so things are wild in as much as like things are happening again and also people have forgotten how to interact with each other <laughs> in a way like new yorkers are you know sort of famed for being curt yeah but helpful sure and that's been amplified of like you know what are you stupid come on you know just yeah but um 
but things are going pretty well out here, I think, um, overall. So it, yeah. feel, it feels like it's moving in the right direction, at least. So It absolutely does. Specifically stand-up-wise, things seem to be going pretty well, and, um, and you know, film and TV is back into the swing of things, and it, it's good. It's just like, you know... <laughs> You know when you're you're working and then all of a sudden you have seventeen things due by the end of the week. Yeah, it's that's what it feels like out here. It's like it's like finals. Sure, you know. <laughs> well, and like you said, people are trying to get back in the swing of life, and mm-hmm. you know what? Pretty jarring when you go from uh, not being able to do anything or go anywhere or see anyone to like. Oh, we're kind of, we're pretty much back on track. I mean, it's different, but also like now you got to do all this stuff again and maybe catch up on 18 months of shit. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. And just temperaments have changed and and yeah, catching up I think is a good way of putting it. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, at least it's uh getting there. Uh mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I've kind of been everywhere in the last three to six months and man it's it's so crazy how varied it is across the country too there's so much so much uh you know even you know even inside states there's such a difference you know like i was in oregon and you go from you know north northwest oregon portland to kind of south central oregon like grants pass and you're in two different countries almost the way thing, yeah. the way you know the things are so it's just very it's challenging you know for as someone who travels to kind of figure out navigate you know what's okay what's not okay what you know what's the level of acceptance for things what do you you know it's 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 very odd yeah a hundred percent like i was up in baltimore a couple of weeks back and they still have a mask mandate so i was like just wandering around you know sans mask because you know in new york we don't have that anymore oh really most of the time yeah, most of the time I do wear one still, but like in Baltimore, they were like, "Hey, you can't come in unless you." I was like, "Oh, I'm terribly sorry." Yeah. Um. Yeah, and temperaments are different, and and I was in the Midwest, and there was the opposite. I mean, not exactly the opposite, but like there was no mandate, but everyone was like, I was doing my hour, and everyone was still in masks, and like I was like, "This is weird." Yeah. This is this is vibe is different than what like in the crowd. Where yeah, in yeah. the crowd, everyone. Yeah. I've seen also comics still wearing them on stage. Like sometimes really? you improv at you know in in the city here, and a couple of improvisers they're still wearing them. And I'm like, this is it's so interesting. People's personal comfort. Yeah, with the whole thing. Yeah, it does that. That does very. It's very strange. Uh, it, there's definitely. Well, I mean, I, I we figured this out. Not even early pandemic. I think this is just we probably most people have known this, but uh, humans are very complex and not always yeah. consistent. Um, I was in Seattle a couple weeks ago, and you know they've got uh, Seattle has one of the hard, the most strict r- regulations around COVID uh, currently in the country, and <laughs> you know every, you get we went to a Mariners game. Cause I had, mm-hmm. I had like seven hours to kill like a midnight show. And I got there like three in the afternoon. So I'm like, what do I, what, what's going to take me seven hours? I'm like, Oh, a baseball <laughs> game. I'll be able to watch Perfect. half of it. Uh, and we, uh, you know, everyone's super crazy worried in Seattle. And then you go to a Mariners game with 30,000 people in a stadium, all maskless once they're yeah. in their seats, just yelling in, in the same direction. It's like, I don't know what, uh-huh. you know, like, uh, I, I understand being, uh, 
concern, but like your your uh, a la carte concern is very uh, <laughs> very interesting choices. You're like, yeah, listen, I don't want to die, but also got to support the Mariners. So, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, God forbid, I watch it on TBS or whatever. Uh, you know, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, it it's it's, it's the uh, it's just proven. I think I think this ha- this time has shown uh, the resiliency and also the uh, worst of humans. In yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been, I mean, you know, also obnoxious. Like, yeah, there's like pettiness and like misinformation and all of this, but it's also just annoying. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like a bunch of, you know, I used to work at a preschool and I was like, it's you're acting like a bunch of two-year-olds that don't want to do, the, everyone has to clean up, everybody do your share. Yeah. It's like really basic stuff. Um, sorry, there's a 747 flying above, so you're probably <laughs> going to hear that um, in the audio. But yeah, 100%. And you sort of realize also who has a similar temperament to you. Yeah. Like, admittedly, I, I take a little bit more risks, but I've been, you know, I got the, the, the thing I've been saying, like, I got the vaccine three times and I wear a mask most of the time. So if I get it, God wants me to go. Yeah, like, you're... <laughs> it's out of, I'm kicking and screaming, you sure. know. I've yeah. done everything I can. So, but then people have that attitude and then don't do anything. And that's where it's kind of tricky. I, I feel lucky that most of my family's on the, on the same side as me as you might say yeah you know yeah and i mean it 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 is challenging how you know divisive this is this has gotten to though i mean you know the 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 i feel like the tolerance level for anything that differs in america has gone down drastically and not just with you know people's stance on covid or vaccines but i mean anything it's like Man, if we are not a hundred percent on the same page, then you know, fuck you mm-hmm. forever. Uh, and it's well, it... I disagree with you a hundred percent, and <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you, you know, it's like it's like this: uh, subscribe a hundred percent, or we, you know, we can never even be in the same room together. And it's really wild that you know we've we've come to that to that point. And disappointing, yeah. honestly, you know. I agree. I think a lot of it has to do with obviously the internet. And I also feel like there's an equation, a factor to the equation that a lot of people don't, I think, realize that um, a lot of these people, and I mean this out of love, a lot of these people are young. They're very young people. They're like a lot of these people who are like stirring the pot or thinking, encouraging this black and white thinking are very young. They're like teenagers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, they don't not know what they're talking about, but they don't have the same nuance and and same life experience. Right. And so like, I'll see fights on Twitter and then someone will go literally the, you know, the OP they're 17 disengage. Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) literally we can't be doing this. You can't have a 47 year old fighting with a 17 year old in the same platform. It's this weird, like since it is deregulated so much, like it, it's so strange. And I feel like what happened was this, you know, there was 4chan and 8chan, right? Yeah. Those sites. And they got closed down more or less. And then, so all those people came to Twitter where the normies were 
and then Tumblr on the other side of, you know, being progressive and liberal as yeah. you can get most of the time, that got changed. And so all those people came to Twitter. And then it just became just such a an argument all of the time. Whereas, like, up until, I, I would say even, like, mid-2016, people were still mostly using Twitters for, like, I ate a salad today. It was yeah. good, you know. Yeah. Even with the changing the the president and all that but um but yeah it's very uh, upsetting that there's a surprising lack of nuance in conversation these days despite most of the time you're able to find common ground in Mm. something you know i don't know you would think so you know and i i mean it's one of I, before I uh, was doing comedy full time, I used to do sales training and marketing. I was an cons- mm-hmm. independent consultant, and you know, one of the things I I would tell these businesses all the time is so like, if you have uh, employees who are uh, disagreeing over things, you know, via email and having a hard time communicating, put them in the same room together. Yep. And uh, you know, you because it just humanizes that other person, and now you're now you actually have to look at them as you know a a a peer, another individual person, mm-hmm. uh, instead of just you're not you're just not typing on this magic internet box and you know throwing whatever shit you want to throw in there at at mm-hmm. just a nameless, faceless you know another icon uh, profile type thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. If you can smell someone's fart, you're more empathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I think. You make eye contact with them and you go, we're both human. Yeah, it turns out we both are full of shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, very strange times, you know. It's I. It's it's funny. I, I had such high hopes during the, during the pandemic. I'm like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is when America realizes you know yeah we come together we we had you know hard times and we realize that you know we got more in common than not and you know we have a limited time and we'll come out of this wanting to pursue our dreams and do unify and then it was like that for like i don't know like four days and then immediately just (laughs) back to just worse than before (laughs) yeah i feel like once people stopped baking bread yeah that's you can that's the marker like like april 17th yeah people are like okay now i'm ready to fight yeah (laughs) and admittedly 2020 had a lot of other things going on besides you know it's weird that a global pandemic was like one of five things like that should have been the main event right sure that should have been the headliner right (laughs) it was yeah that was uh uh it, it took a back seat at times to so many other things, you know, that were happening. Mm. Uh, and it, it was just wild. I, you know, I was talking with someone last night and, uh, you know, I like to, uh, explore wild concepts. <laughs> sure. And I'm, I, we're, we're talking, I'm like, you know, I'm not saying this did happen, but if you wanted to, uh, completely break down a, a, uh, population of a country, uh, if someone wanted to mastermind this, they fucking did a good job, you know, because like, oh, sure, you know, you get you get everyone scared of an invisible boogeyman. You put them inside, separate them, make them scared, give them enough money to stay fat and happy, uh, find other things politically and racially to divide everyone even further. You know, it's like it, it's just such a why. I mean, it's like a perfect storm of. Mm-hmm. things you you know i mean this is like it's like dr doom 
have this like plan of just slowly uh, destroy. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a it's a it's a very odd uh, you know odd series of events for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and I feel like a lot of the things that like did happen, for example, all the protests with the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. I don't think necessarily would have happened to the scale that they did had the government kind of, you know, failed people um, so openly during the pandemic. Yeah. The early months of pandemic were still in it. And that's weird to think, you know, consider. But also, you know, like, and also people like a lot of folks just didn't have jobs, so they could go. Yeah, they had time. You, know? you had time on their yeah. hands. <laughs> They're like, you, you know, know you, you want a freedom fight? Well, not usually. I got to work, but uh, it turns on them off maybe forever. Yeah. So, all yeah. right, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I know several people that like went to jail for a couple of nights. Yeah. Like, you know? I didn't care about civil rights when I was working at the shoe department at Walmart, but now that I'm not, uh, yeah, it turns well, out. <laughs> time to think i feel like that happens so much with like identity and like because like so many one of the jokes i say on stage is if you didn't come out of 2020 more depressed anxious and gay you have to do it again yeah because like so many people were making those realizations about themselves or like quitting jobs or switching careers or whatever because we had finally time to consider how stupid everything is yeah and how things don't work which is also to your point of like people not speaking civilly to each other has made everyone angry yeah they all look at the system and they go it doesn't work and so they have two reactions and they go either way most of the time yeah you know and you know i i tend to swing a a very specific way but like this is to say, like, I, I was out. Let's just say I'm always upset that Bernie was the nominee. Um, I've only donated to one presidential campaign in my whole life, and it was his. Yeah. But, um, but both sides of that were like looking at the system as it stands and going, this isn't working for us. Right. And how do we fix it? Yeah. Well, so. you know, I think uh, the last two elections have proven and I hate to be this cynical that it might be unfixable um, because the, Mm. the Republican and the democratic party have wildly failed their constituents in these last (laughs) two, two elections consistently. (laughs) And I mean, consistently in history, but these last two elections, especially to, to, for the Republican party to farcically, you know, not that he didn't have the popular vote uh, or like, not that he didn't like, beat other Republican nominees. But mm. I mean, to actually put Trump up as your guy is, is so insane. And then for the democratic party to bilk Bernie out of two nominations that he should have earned because they just, and sadly to say, I, I mean, I, I just don't think he would have won either way, either time. Mm. Um, and I, I think they knew that too, uh, which is why they just put a dead man in office this time. Um, <laughs> So they're like, like, yeah, this guy's like dead. We can just figure it out. We'll, you'll sleep. Um, and it's like, it just shows that, you know, how little they care about their constituents, actual thoughts and wants and the better, uh, what this country needs. Yeah. Is it currently like weekend in Bernie's, but it's just Kamala 
like doing the puppeteering. Yeah, I I don't know who it, I don't know who it is, but some someone maybe they take turns. One day it's Pelosi, yeah. one day it's Kamala. You know, it's like yeah, they got the Dig- Disney Imagineers on it. Yeah, he's already in the Hall of Presidents. We just don't. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the scariest thing to me too is that uh, unless he dies, mm. um, there's no way he doesn't run again i think and if he when he runs again he's not gonna get it he's gonna get smeared he's not only is he gonna lose he is gonna get pummeled by and 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 realistically trump may run again and then you're like so we are gonna probably go back to that um and like (laughs) yeah which is nuts to think about it, it it is so yeah i just i like i don't know how not that i have kids i never will um but like in assume america still exists in 50 years um <laughs> the like to look back on the history books and look at these few years people be like uh, you know and then we had you know and then we had another bush and then we had uh we had a first black president and then we had this guy and then we had this mm-hmm. guy and then we had that guy again. And it was like, what What yeah. happens next? Where do you go from there? 100%. I do feel like it, even 20 years from now, people are going to think of Joe Biden kind of the way they do about like either Jimmy Carter or yeah. like Taft, where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that guy. Right. Because he's such a neutral sure. force. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a nothing burger. It's a zero at the end of the day. It's like a net zero, you know. Yeah. The um, let me, let me lay this idea on you, Tristan. I had this idea. Okay. It's, let me let me hear what you think about this. I think okay. that it uh, for all future elections, uh, presidential down to I, I don't know head of the PTA committee, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we should, but especially presidential elections. We should make it uh, like the masked singer. Um, so, so the people are anonymous, and then you just go based off of policy. We a hundred percent policy. What we do is we. I don't. I don't know their. I don't know their race. I don't know their religion. I don't know their party. I don't know their sexuality. All I know is their policy. I ask them their uh, questions about foreign aid. Then they sing mm-hmm. a very soulful rendition of "Careless Whisper," um, and then we vote. You know, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Um, but I mean, that would literally get any identity politics completely out of it. And you're truly only voting on what their ideas are. Mm hmm. Uh, and I absolutely. think absolutely. I mean, and isn't that the idea? We want to vote on who has the best ideas, not this red till dead or blue, no matter who, you know, nonsense uh, that people that people say. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I think that's a great idea conceptually. Yeah, I Having mean, we, we can workshop it. Protection <laughs> program. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's great. I think I think it would solve. It would cause problems, sure, but I think because people would be mad. Sure. Like racists would be mad if all of a sudden they voted for a black guy or something. <laughs> They'd be like, "What the hell? Hey, why you hate, got me?" Hate. And then they have to sit with that and they have to reconsider it. Yeah. Am I really racist though? I like yeah. that guy's ideas. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we turn some people to the other side. Uh, we get maybe. they get them to they get them to understand. Like, hey, turns out that guy was uh, that's what I'm into. So, 
or conversely, like a bunch of liberals might be like, oh, no, a woman. Oh, no, I guess I'm sexist. Oh, no, now I have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, yeah. You learn a lot about yourself during this, too. I think we have I think it, it's good all around. So 100 <laughs> percent. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it could uh, it could change things up. I think it'd be better. But uh, uh, well, uh Tristan, let's uh, let's talk about you a bit. You are a oh, you've got a lot going on. You've got two podcasts out: uh, the Positive and Negative and Amateur Detective Club. You're a comedian, among other things, actor, uh, and you know all, all kinds of stuff. Um, when we were talking earlier, you said you're from Minnesota. You're born in North Dakota. From Minnesota, is that right? Um, born in South Dakota. South Dakota. Okay. All good. Um, and raised in Minnesota, yeah. And then I realized recently I've almost—I lived in New York for almost as long as I have Minnesota. So at this point, I'm like, who am I? Right. Yeah. I, I always feel like in this liminal space of like I'm too aggressive for the Midwest, but I'm too polite for the East. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know. And yeah. I—I'll be like, yeah, you got to fucking do this. I'm so sorry. Gosh, wow. I shouldn't uh, <laughs> pardon my language there. But you know, it's this—you know—two wolves inside of me. Sure. Um. But yeah, I'm from the the middle part of the country, which I've I I the way I like to put it is when I'm out east, I bring a little bit of the west to me, and when I'm out west, I like to bring a little bit of the east to me. Like sure. I'm pretty straightforward now. And then also like um a lot of people, I don't know, these coastal elites, they are pretty dismissive of flyover states as they yeah. call them, <laughs> and I get my my dander gets up, and I'm like, "You listen here." Yeah, we you wouldn't have corn if it sure. weren't for us. Yeah, so sit down and <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you know, yeah, you gotta. You know, they don't know what they're don't know what they're missing. There is some great stuff in the middle of America, not Nebraska, mm -hmm. but there's other states. I, I feel like there. I, I I had this realization that any states that have zip codes that start with a four, uh, probably probably kind of suck. That's yeah. those are the ones. It's not great. Uh, nines, yeah. fives zeros ones those type of ones are pretty good uh, mm -hmm. uh yeah you get into the fours and you're like ugh, uh, yeah am what I a strange yeah. prejudice prejudice you have yeah am i in wisconsin fuck oh uh, yeah that that's don't get me started about milwaukee <laughs> i'll i'll fight now like they're terrible people no they're not they're not terrible people they're fine but like it is this you know being from minnesota yeah like yeah, there's yeah. that rivalry there um I, I recently and I wrote you know a little article thing about this. I I get my again my dander gets up when people call places like Missouri the Midwest because mm. I'm like that state seceded. You're not allowed. You're oh, doing yeah. some PR stunt <laughs> yeah, with that you, bullshit. Like yeah. come on, they've amended cannot... their history a little bit. <laughs> They're like no no we're Midwest really. Yeah. I mean you know us yeah. <laughs> you can't if you weren't part of the union. <laughs> You can't say you're from the moon. If your state literally seceded, that was it's called the Southern Secession yeah. for a reason. <laughs> and I'll fight you in the street and then apologize for it. That 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 is that's very uh that does say a lot. Yeah, I would call Missouri uh the South, right? Yeah. Yeah, but Kansas, South. right next to it, that's probably I mean that's a Great Plains region. Sure. But that's probably considered the Midwest. I think yeah, I yeah, that gets more into Midwest, I suppose. Uh I anything that's in an eastern standard time zone i also i'm like that's not i'm sorry michigan you're not midwesterners maybe mm. youpers are but 
Michiganders. Don't get me started. Is <laughs> it, yeah. Like, is Michigan Michigan's an Eastern Standard Time? I don't think I knew that. It is. I I used to date someone from Michigan, and <laughs> when I learned that, I was like, well, then y'all sh- shut up. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're not part of this. Yeah. Central Time all the way, baby. Uh, yeah, I get a weird. I have I have a lot of people who say tell they refer to Chicago as the East. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm like, sorry. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, and I'm, just, the... I'm always so confused. Like, oh, I'm from out, I'm from out east, and I'm like, where? Like Chicago. I'm like, nah. What? No. What? what where? Excuse? Yeah. <laughs> east. What do you do? Does the country only go to the continental divide for you? What the fuck are you talking about <laughs> right here? The, that is the heart of the like Minnesota. Yeah. Illinois is like the heart of the Midwest, and like I think we should have four clumps of it. It should be west mountain central east done and then the south so five and yeah. anything below the mason dixon line i don't care right yeah <laughs> done. Well, florida should be its own thing but uh florida should be its own independent country and also removed from the mainland <laughs> it's getting there that, they're working on I think, all those things they're trying the, every every day is another day you step further away from god for them yeah i was uh down there in august doing shows and after this show this guy he's like hey uh you're funny you want to go out uh, tomorrow what are you doing during the day i got a fan boat you want to go out in the everglades and go ga- <laughs> yeah. and go gator hunt and i'm like fuck yeah i do nobody's who says Absolutely. no to that so he's like a nice guy and right on the boat and you know we're in the middle of the swamp there's literally like alligators biting at our boat as we're going through and he so just good. stops mid conversation out of nowhere and he just like he just goes hey y'all don't like the blacks right and i was just like whoa i'm like man like can i i guess i don't think i can swim back oh my god oh god and i'm like how much racism do i put up with they go on a fan boat jesus christ the the clarity of thought though I do respect not hemming and hawing, but it's off. That's what an awful thing to say. Yeah, and I was just, you know, and I, also like the audacity to a stranger to say that. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it was oh very. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I, uh, this may be hard to believe, Tristan. It got worse from there. Uh, oh my so- god! <laughs> to, to quote the great Randy Newman. They're rednecks. They don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah, well, you know, he wasn't wrong. So, uh, yeah, well, he, he goes, uh, he went on to say how he just didn't like how they, you know, he's like, they just, uh, you know, here they just uh, beat you up and they steal your shit. And I'm like, well, where I live in Spokane, uh, we call that uh, white people. Yeah, meth heads. <laughs> they fucking suck. They're the yeah. worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, guess what? Cops don't shoot white people either. So there, we mm-hmm. got they're everywhere up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite a quite a day. Uh, to yeah. the, the fan boat ride took a turn for the worse, is what I'm trying to say. But that's so sick that you were on a fan boat. That was fun. Yeah, that was was, was it worth it. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, whatever. I marched and I marched. I marched in BLM. I feel like I I earned it. Uh, yeah, no. I mean also, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> I got tear gassed. I'm, I earned this. I earned this. <laughs> this uh, boat Put ride up with a racist. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, the fan boat was fun. I have to say, the fan boat was fun. Worth it? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you got a great story out of it. That's true. Yeah, I got a great story. And honestly, like he wasn't racist because I was on the boat. 
you know, he was racist either yeah, way. Yeah, you did cause it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just happened to be on a racist book. And I also didn't know before I got there. And it's not mm. like, you know. I don't think you're in the wrong. Yeah. We, we, um, he's not like on my Christmas card list now. <laughs> that's funny. So, uh, uh, the, so how did you manage to get, what, what was the move for you from uh, the Midwest to New York? Was it for entertainment? Yeah, yeah. I went to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts right out of high school. Okay. Um, and then I moved back to Minnesota for a year because I was seeing someone out there. And then I moved back to New York because, my gosh, once you are at the speed of New York, living anywhere else is just, like, mind-numbing. It's sure. like being in a slow line. But, yeah, I moved out here to pursue acting and arts and entertainment. And uh, what was the transition like? You know, having that lifestyle of, you know, where in the Midwest where, you know, yeah, things are a much slower pace. Things do move slower and, you know, going I to, mean, you know, I mean, I used do you, you probably don't. Do you even have a car or anything like that? I mean, I, I guess. No. Yeah, exactly. I, so it's I just, learned to drive this year. Oh, so you didn't even drive when you lived in Minnesota. No. Oh, wow. No, I bummed rides from or I walked because I was an anxious young person okay. and I knew that driving wouldn't have been a good fit. Got it. <clears throat> But, yeah, I, I learned how to drive. I'm quite proud of myself, to be honest, that I finally learned to, to drive at the age of redacted. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a shift. But with someone who has my temperament, you know, I'm, my mind is kind of always racing. I was like, ah, yes, finally something that makes sense. You yeah. know, like I also wasn't surrounded by these tall, blonde Viking people. I looked like normal. <laughs> Because if you can believe it, you know, <laughs> I was short. I'm, I'm like 5'8". I was short and kind of exotic looking for Minnesota because I had brown yeah. hair and green eyes. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, uh, and they're like, are you ethnic? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're, I'm just not Nordic. Yeah, because Someone of... once asked if I was Asian. Oh, which yeah. well, I, yeah. my hair dyed black at the time. So maybe that had, but I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, to be fair, uh, in the Midwest, you know, anyone, they don't, they're not, uh, exposed to a lot of, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. you know, they, they don't exactly have a lot of ideas of what, uh, the barometer is skewed. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was, I, I don't know where I was somewhere in Idaho. I was doing a show and there was a Filipino girl and I'm like, I'm talking to her. I'm like, what do you, and I go, uh, you're Filipino, right? She goes, how'd you know? And I'm like, cause I, you you you're not all Chinese to me like everyone here thinks you are. Yeah, you, you look Filipino. Yeah, there's a you know there's a difference in the way you know uh, like one hundred percent. Like weird, you can tell. Yeah, I can even tell a Vietnamese from a Korean. Crazy, you know. You're like yeah, yeah. They're, they're different. They're yeah. There are different facial features for everybody. And, like, even like I'll be in the same way of like oh you look Italian or you look Irish or whatever. Yeah. You know, same thing. Yeah, the, yeah, I moved out here. It actually it felt really good. I felt like finally a fast-paced environment um, suited me uh, due to hyperactivity. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when I moved back, it was just like it took me three months to get a job I didn't want, whereas when I moved back here, it took me literally a day. I oh, had, yeah. unloaded my things. I had a job interview that day. My parents had dropped me off. We all went to this um, bar and arcade. And then I got a call that I had gotten the job. So it was like everything was taken care of within a day. And Perfect. I was like, this is why I love to live here. Yeah. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah, there's got it's uh, you know it's just more of everything. The uh, you know I gotta mm-hmm. ask you this. Um, sure. Because I hear this. I mean, I know you're not from New York, but definitely you've lived there. You know, sounds like half your life now, about almost. Mm-hmm. So you you know you can call yourself a certified New Yorker. Oh yeah. Uh, people want to always. I always hear people say that New York is the greatest city on earth, uh, mm. it, it, or at least in the country. Uh, sure. Is that true? I've never been to all of them, so I really can't say. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like all those people who say that probably haven't either. Uh, yeah. but I'll say this. As far as a city goes, if you're looking for a city, here's my problem. I actually wrote a song recently about this. I live in Queens, which is not New York City. It's you know basically a suburb. Yeah. And it's, far, yeah. in my estimation, far superior than Manhattan. Um, I'll get a lot of Manhattanites fighting me <laughs> in the streets, I guess. But like, I I like it a little quieter, a little slower. Sure. Um, but as far as a city goes, of like it, I think is emblematic and in a, um, you know, uh, of the a peak idea of what a city can be, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're thinking what is a city as opposed to a town, it's like yeah, yeah it's bustling all the time. It's not great to go out at night. <laughs> um, sure. There's public transport. But, like, I lived in Minneapolis, and that's great. I just visited Chicago for the first time, and it was very tempting to move there. It's yeah. a great city. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, I I don't know if it's the greatest city in the world, but, like, I think it's also this. A lot of people saying that are famous people because a lot of famous people come from New York. Sure. Yeah. But I will say this. When I lived in Minneapolis, I lived in the suburbs of Minneapolis, and it was impossible to get, like, a donut at 2 in the morning, and that Mm. drove Mm. me nuts. Like, the fact that everything closes at 10 everywhere else, I'm like, what the hell is this? I (laughs) I need a sandwich. I need a chopped cheese. Sandwich <laughs> at eleven thirty p.m. because yeah. I just got done with the show. How do I achieve this? Yeah, and th- that is harder. That that is one of the benefits of a large city. Coming from L.A. Um, and then moving to smaller areas. You know, when I first moved to Spokane, um, it was a lot of like, yeah, trying to find food. Food late night is like yep. the most challenging one. Um, and you're, you're like, yeah, what, you know, I could order Chinese food at 4 a.m. Yeah. in L.A. and it'd be, you know, it'd be there in 20 minutes. Yeah. And uh, to your point earlier of like the diversity as well does make, I think, New York wonderful. Um, yeah. Because you do. And like having, you know, I only talk a little bit about it in my hour and I kind of cut it because some pe- audience don't respond to it. Like I talk a little bit about race. Um, and in the Midwest, they're deeply uncomfortable with even the concept of race, yeah. let alone a, a white person saying it sure. and, and talking about it. Whereas like here, it's so ubiquitous that everyone's like, yeah, of course we're going to like, you know, um, allow people to express themselves about not even like their opinions about racial or ethnic groups, but yeah. like going, oh yeah, I was talking to this guy and in the description, you would say their race or their gender or whatever, because yeah. they're you have to, because otherwise it doesn't. It's you predicated you for the story. Yeah. I like yeah. you're like, OK, whereas like there's the assumption that everyone's like if you say to Minnesota, like 
you know, I was talking to this guy, everyone's going to be like, okay, well, they're, they're picturing, probably white. Yeah, they're picturing a white guy. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're not picturing, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, yeah. 100%. They're, they're, 100%. Uh, yeah, that is funny. I mean, it's it's not just in the you know that in the Midwest, but also uh, yeah, that's a good point. Diverse areas, uh, I I feel like coming from LA uh, are better for comedy for that oh, reason yeah. because I you know personally I mean I'm Latino, Mexican to be specific. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. I'm still here. I made it. <laughs> I'm not in a cage yet. Uh, <laughs> there's still time. Uh, <laughs> there's a. Uh, um, <laughs> the so they uh you know and i like i talk about it a lot i grew up in you know i grew up in south central la you know i grew up in a very okay. uh you know a uh, very non-white area uh mm-hmm. and you know that was my background so i talk about it a lot and it's so funny because even in the, you know the northwest uh, you go to, you know, I, I talk about, I have that, I tell the story about the fan boat. I've got that a bit. I've, that's a bit I use and, and I have this kind of these of jokes course. I do. And this guy, like people will, uh, pucker and not feel like they can. And I'm like, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a crowd full of white people. Yes. I'm like, guys, mm-hmm. you're allowed to laugh at that. Like you're allowed mm-hmm. to laugh at the situation, you know, like I, we're not, you know, no one is, is like. <laughs> saying it was okay no one is uh uh you know uh, cheering racism right now it's a story that happened you know like let's have this conversation it's okay you yeah know? so yeah 100 percent. and that story specifically is like look at this idiot yeah 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 and you know people just don't uh although the northwest is very strange i uh had a show on the west side of uh, the state. I'm on the east side of the state, uh, so complete opposite side of the state from Seattle. And mm. Seattle and Olympia areas like that can be a little a little interesting to do comedy in because I was I talk a lot about being uh, Latino, do some jokes about it, and I had this <laughs> like uh, white girl uh, come up to me after a show and be like, you know, you uh, uh, you shouldn't talk about Mexicans like that, and I'm like. Uh, well, uh, I am Mexican, so I will, uh, say whatever the fuck I want about those people, <laughs> my people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but thanks for your, <laughs> thanks for the tip lady, uh, you know? So well-meaning. Yeah. It, I mean, like what, that's, what, what do you, what do you, what do you, that's kind of what you have to navigate too. You have to navigate that portion where they're like trying to, I don't know, save latino people from their own p i don't know what it's like what do you what's happening right now what are you doing yeah yeah white people love to meddle yeah they just they they think they know best for everyone a lot of the times they're like no no listen little brown person we will make we'll fix it up for you i got you don't worry we'll make sure no injustice happens to you ever uh it's like sometimes we're doing okay yeah and again it's like so well intended but so misguided yeah Right. Which is, you know, there's a famous saying about hell and the pathways. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, so you do a couple podcasts too, Tristan. Tell us, uh, tell us about those. Sure. Um, the first one I will talk about is called Positive Negative, which is an interview style podcast where I discuss the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. So I have an artist or creative person come on and talk about their mental health and how it affects what they make or do. Yeah. Um, I've been really lucky with some of the people I've been able to speak with. Um, like uh, I got to speak with Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar Binks mm-hmm. in Star Wars, and Gary Goleman. Okay, um, wow. 
yeah, he he's so both of those gentlemen very kind, very warm people, and very uh, open and willing to share about their experience. Wow. And yeah, and it's just been a joy to be able to to hear other people's stories and amplify them and also specifically because one of the theses of the of kind of the podcast is like there's this misnomer amongst artists that you have to suffer for your art, you know. Certainly you have to make sacrifices for it because yeah. you have to make choices with your life, right? Um, like you mentioned, not having kids. I'm assuming part of that it comes from being an artist and like not having the the time or inclination to do it. Um, yeah, that but, and part of it's from bad parents and not wanting to. I, I also kind of assumed that, but I didn't want to, you know, project okay. that onto you. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, and so part of the the podcast is like, hey, you can get better, you can feel better, and actually, if you feel better, you work better yeah you know it david lynch has this great bit that he does because it's great that he has bits yeah <laughs> quite frankly because he's a very funny guy sure but he's like very smart you have a splitting headache and you're vomiting and diarrhea on top of that how much work are you gonna get done and how much are you going to enjoy it and it's the same with mental health of yeah. like if you feel terrible you're not going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons I do it. And, but with that being said, with like the title, since what we call mentally ill or mental health issue or disorder or whatever, you know, more um, placating term you want to use, whatever that is, is um, something that is deviant from societal norms, yeah. right? So there is a positive to having some sort of mental health condition when it doesn't get in the way because you think differently. You, you think in, you know, inherently in order to be an artist, I feel like you have to think differently. Sure. So there is an absolutely a positive part of it and a negative part of it and finding that balance. And that's the kind of part of the show as well. Yeah. Like, do you think it gets in the way? Do you think it's part of the strengths you know, of who you are and why you do what you do. Yeah, that's a really good, that's an interesting uh, concept. Definitely something that I think all artists feel and mm -hmm. struggle with. And, and even people who aren't uh, maybe professionally in the arts uh, can definitely relate to that too in their, in their day-to-day -day life. I mean, um, you know, it's such a, such a strange thing. And especially in, in these times, you know, like we talked about earlier with kind of everything that's been going on. Um, how how's that road been for you personally you know i mean obviously this show was inspired by i, I assume uh being insane yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh yeah i mean well first i was afraid i was petrified no um <laughs> so stupid uh i doing the podcast specifically early on was like very cathartic and like asking other people's stories to try and process my own right my own diagnosis but like i didn't start doing stand-up until i had a diagnosis and i like i waited until i had something to say and it was a huge way of processing how i can talk about it with strangers yeah. and explain myself to friends and family because of the fact that like if you can make it palatable it's less scary and the less frightened you are mm -hmm. the more you can sympathize with someone and understand them 
And so I think it's like my job as someone who is essentially a public speaker or, you know, front facing person, as they say, um, is to with this kind of condition is to try and make it palatable and communicate with other people about it. Um, as far as my personal, you know, story or what have you about it, it, it was it presented itself pretty early on. It's genetic. And so my, my mom specifically was on the lookout for it. And it was pretty apparent, like looking back, like, and even in my teen years, I had this like manic energy mm-hmm. and also self-loathing, which is a terrible combination. Sure. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. It's why people on cocaine are such jerks, you know, cause it's, you know, all the, the, the energy of someone who thinks they're a genius with all the self-loathing of someone who hates himself. <laughs> You know, it's just like, I hate everything and me, and why don't you appreciate me for right. hating myself? It's just a bad situation. Doesn't seem to work, but, yeah. Yeah, but it really, really presented itself in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of fell in with a bad crowd and made decisions I don't didn't agree with then and don't agree with now. And, um, you know, I'm sober because of it and, and that sort of stuff. But once I started taking care of myself and like accepting what was fully going on, my whole life became easier. And I feel really lucky that like, I do like three things, maybe four things a day to, you know, take care of myself mental health wise. And it takes maybe an hour and a half at most. What? And I've gotten it down to a kind of a system and a science. What are those? Uh, are you, do you want to, what are those sure. things you do? Well, um, I drink water and exercise. Everyone hates to hear that one first, but it is the first line of defense of if you're feeling terrible, eat, drink, and move and see how you feel. Yeah. Um, I meditate twice a day, um, which, you know, people are like, that's a huge commitment. 20 minutes. What? And I'm like, well, I just don't watch two episodes of family guy or whatever. You know, I just subtract that. It's, (laughs) it's not that hard. Yeah. yeah, it's not that long. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's fine. And I feel so much more level-headed yeah. about it. And then I take medication and, like, and I journal some. And, like, it just, again, it's, like, three or four things. takes about an hour. And my whole life is easier. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously there are the mental health benefits of, like, when I'm performing on stage, not only being heard, seen, and understood, which is very validating – and getting people on my side, and a lot of times people come up to me uh, after shows and are like, thank you so much for talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, I'm doing the same thing that every other comedian is doing. I'm just talking about my life. Yeah. But I appreciate that you connected with me. But also, of course, there's the, you know, endorphins that you get, you know, and that, I realized, does really help. When I'm having fun, like, it's fun to have fun. Sure, yeah. You know, and that really helps get a... a really really helps my mood and and stabilizing it in a way that i i didn't really realize until we were all asked to stay home for quite some time yeah and then i was like wow i have all this energy i need to put it somewhere yeah and it's so cathartic to be able to get it out and and most of the time for it to be well received <laughs> yeah right it makes a difference the uh to when you're getting it back when it, that yeah. good energy is coming back um yeah. the uh you said a couple of things there that i i definitely think are really poignant and should uh people should take note on and like the you know d- taking the time to do 
have a regimen and do things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for uh, mental health and taking care of yourself. Um, you know, having obviously, you know, having not obviously, but having my own struggles in life and in finding ways to make those uh, better. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, I, I have a similar every morning, you know, wake up, uh, do some yoga, do some meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a daily ritual. Uh, try and get out and exercise as much as possible, you know, bike and basketball in the summer and just walk, even if it's just go for a walk during the day. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I tell everyone, I'm like, man, if you're feeling down, just like put on some classical music and some earbuds and go outside for 20 minutes and y- you're mm-hmm. gonna feel a lot better. Like just go walk around like that's like that. Get away from screens. You know, if you can get to a park where there's like greens around and trees, like you're going to feel a lot better. Um, Like just a simple kind of that back to nature rush of like getting clear in your head and thinking for a little bit makes such a difference, you know? Yeah. And there's something I can't remember what exactly studies they've shown, but like thought and movement are linked in a way Mm. where if you're like literally you can't you you're stuck in a rut and you can't think or whatever physically moving since it changes what's your environment your brain starts kind of ticking again yeah it turns over the motor Mm -hmm. right so i feel like physically like i go on generally like a two to three mile walk every day and that helps so much because even, you know, if you're listening to a podcast or music or whatever, but like a lot of the times I'm just sitting there thinking and working stuff out yeah. or I put in my headphones and pretend I'm on a, on a phone call and I talk to myself yeah. and I just work <laughs> shit out that way because I was like, I, I don't want any weird looks, but I got to get this off my chest, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, and I do love how meditation is kind of become more de rigueur these days, but I do think there is also kind of a you know, the downside to it is like, it's similar to recycling. People have gone to going, oh, the individual has to fix their mental state, you know, whereas a lot of things that, like, for example, when people are like, what, sometimes they ask, what are the, what's the biggest thing that people could do to help mental health in America? I'm like, Medicare for all. Yeah. Easy, resources, access, yeah. um, fewer working hours. Yeah. Like it's, the system makes everyone stressed out sure. and that's a bad baseline. Yeah. But you know, I, I do cause like I'm, I grew up in a Lutheran household. So when every time I'm like, yeah, I make, you know, I meditate twice a day. Yes. You know, I'm kind of sheepish about it. Sure. Cause I still have that. Like, what are you, a, <laughs> you know, witch a <laughs> fucking witchcraft. Yeah. You always exactly. a warlock burn him. Yeah. <laughs> basically it's like, no, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when it really, in actuality, meditation is basically just like closing your eyes for a second. Like old people do like yeah. everyone calm down. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like a, like a nap sitting up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's you it, get to daydream for a little bit. Yeah. How beautiful is that? Yeah. It's just really, uh, in, in, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm into a lot of Wim Hof breathing techniques and things like that. So like mm. you really, that moment of changing your breath, change your mindset, just kind of focusing and letting that, that your mind kind of just sort shit for a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, uh, I was telling my buddy this the other day, cause he's like, ah, you, you know, he's like, he's complaining about he's looking for a new job. And he's like, ah, you know, I should have taken this time with the pandemic to go back to school. And, you know, I'd be halfway done by now. And, you know, I'm like, there's still time. I'm like, yeah. to start tomorrow. You know, I go, you know, it's going to suck for like 
two and a half years. But then after two and a half years, the next 40 years of your life will be way better. So that two and a half years will be nothing. And it'll be a blink of an eye. You know, I mean, it's been two, that's almost yeah. been the pandemic time. Like that seems like that just started. I'm like the time, the commitment it takes to make the rest of your life better is so minuscule compared to how much the time you get that's better yeah. afterwards, you know, and it's hard for people to take that journey in it, because it seems daunting uh, at first. Uh, and I think people are very easy at defeating themselves very quickly. Mm. You know, it's like, I always say like, like smoking cigarettes, you know, people are mm. like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this Tristan, but when I, you know, people, when I was growing up, people used to always say things like, Oh, quitting cigarettes is the hardest thing in the world. You know, it's, it's easier to quit heroin, you know, than quit smoking <laughs> cigarettes. So I'm like, so, you know, if you hear heard that as a person, uh, if you were trying to quit smoking cigarettes, the first People thing your brain it. would tell you, yeah, exactly, would be like, well, that's harder than quitting heroin. I could probably never quit heroin. So, and then you're just, you've already, you're done. You've defeated yourself yep. already, you know? I agree. And I think a, a component of that as well is like, just do one thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you know, um, small stones create an avalanche, you know? Yeah. Sort of thing. And yeah, but I absolutely agree. It's really easy to put things off. Whereas like the it's, you know, betting it's betting on yourself yeah. and you only get one, you get one person to be with you your whole life guaranteed. And that's you. Yeah. So you better learn to like love and respect yourself. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I turned into Sam Elliott. There for a second. <laughs> it was kind of nice. It was cool. That was great. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, insurmountable tasks, uh, are only insurmountable by perception. Uh, they just take time, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I always said, like, you could, uh, if you wanted to eat a Buick, uh, it would seem <laughs> crazy, right? <laughs> like, you're like, that's that's just a giant 4,000-pound <laughs> Detroit metal, right? Can I tell you, I said to my friend you the other day, I was like, you can eat anything if you try hard enough. Yeah, you can. You know, you can. But, like, you can. A hundred percent. Well, like, it seems like it seems crazy, right? But if you ground that Buick down into powder and put a spoonful over your Cheerios every morning, eventually you'd yeah. have eaten a Buick. You know? Yeah. You'd be riddled with tumors uh, by the end of it. But <laughs> you, you, uh, you would have done it. You know, you would have accomplished that goal. And it's, like you said, it's just that incremental little bit uh and it's just taking those first steps and they they are they are meaningful and people always you know uh assume any type of regression is back to zero and you're like oh yeah you're like no no you can't you know you can have it's gonna be forward and backward it's not instant it's years of forward little back forward, a little lot back lot for you know mm -hmm. I mean, who knows it yo-yos yeah Absolutely. Something I've always said is like, if you take three steps forward and two back, you're still one step ahead than you were. Absolutely. And like, people hate to hear that. They sure. hate because like, but I like, yeah, I've had routines. They've fallen apart. Like I, for, I moved in January and for the first three months I was doing yoga every day. I was working out every day. And yeah. then like Valentine's day hit and I had just gone through a breakup and I was just like, it just, sure. everything fell apart for yeah. a couple of months. And then you get back to a routine and that's okay. Like, Part of it is also working out the steps that work for you in the moment. Yeah. Because there are things that used to be part of my routine that mattered a lot to me that I'm now I'm like, eh, you know, I think, sure. you know, 
I think the biggest disservice you can do to yourself is thinking you can't change. Yeah, yeah. And there is that muscle memory, too, to where, you know, you may go one, three forward, two back. So you're only one forward. But taking those those two steps forward again is just going to be easier easier. this time. Um, You know, and people don't really uh, uh, view it that way. And I think, um, you know, like you said, access to mental health and Medicaid, things like that. Uh, but also just empowering people to realize how powerful they are and the things they can do. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned you were sober. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I am also, uh, nice. the, the only, I will say the one exception, uh, I use, uh, I microdose psilocybin very regularly, um, mushrooms. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, as a <laughs> I was as, like, I don't, I'm yeah. sorry to this man. I do not uh, yeah, know. Him. I, uh, yeah, I microdose psilocybin uh, mushrooms, uh, which is a great, you know, they've they've proven great for mental health, regrows neural pathway, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the things that I really bumped me when I was going to, I tried AA and it didn't, wasn't mm. for me. Um, and one of the things that really bumped me about it. <coughs> was everyone in there was always had a really sad story that kind of came down to an excuse to why they were drinking um, Mm -hmm. or using. And Mm -hmm. they would always come to me and ask me why I did what I did. I'm like, I, cause I just made bad decisions and they're like, well, what they wanted something more. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to blame other things. No one else forced me to, uh, yeah. and at the end of the day, like I want to put it, the onus on me. Um, and I also didn't want to, you know, their thing was like, Oh, you don't have any power. You'll always be an addict or an alcoholic. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, so if I don't drink for 40 years, I'm still an alcoholic. And I'm like, no, no, I'm like, I can, I, you can be empowered to not do that anymore. And then, you know, if you think that's the mind to me, that's the mindset of someone who is defeated. It's like, I can just be. I can defeat that, you know, I can empower myself to be better. And that that mindset keeps you strong, in my opinion. Yeah, I was I was literally talking to a friend the other day about like, you are so much more in charge than you think you are. Yeah. You know, you can really make choices that, you know, both good and bad, you know, that's it's empowering, sure, also sure. kind of frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel the same way. I didn't do AA. I just stopped. I tried to stop a couple of times. It took a couple of years to really take. Sure. Which is pretty common. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, if you're, you know, I, again, I was in my early 20s, and so, like, it's ubiquitous drinking with, you know, a bunch of young artists. Oh, and, like, yeah. You know, doing pot and whatever. Doing pot. What am I, 75? Um <laughs> Yeah, smoke and dope. I think <laughs> calling it smoke and dope is so funny. Um, a bunch of hop heads out in New York. Yeah. Anyway, um, but it was ubiquitous. But like the the choices that I disagreed with, like they are mine, and I've owned up to them. And I've had you know I did do that kind of AA thing of like going around apologizing um, for a couple of years. Sure. Uh, but it is also this thing of like. I agree. It starts from a very sort of negative mindset of like, I can never be free of this thing, which is in one way true because it's something you always have to take into consideration. Yeah. But also that also puts you in such a um, a melancholic sort of state of mind to be like, I can never 
be free. With that being said, I do say like in my show that every part of me is an addict, which is true because I have that sort of temperament. Sure. So I have to mind it, but like, but you don't have if, to let it control you. Yeah, exactly. Like I know it's there and it's like every, you know, I also have a bad temper sometimes. Yeah. You know, and you control that you learn to control all sorts of things about your personality. You are in charge of your personality more than you think. Yeah. Which is, I think, again, it's a a thing of empowerment. And I think people should feel better about, like, how much control they have. Because you, you really, you can choose to indulge all sorts of different parts of your yeah. mind and soul. But yeah, I, AA wasn't for me. I never went to a meeting, but I always was, like, a little turned off by it. Just because I was, like, I'm approaching this as not someone who has, like, I don't want to say a spiritual issue or anything like that because I know they're very, you know, anti, you know, you know the higher power concept thing. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, I do believe in in, a, in God and that sort of thing and yada, yada, yada. But, like, my issue is, you know, a health issue. It's not good for me health-wise right. the same way you shouldn't eat too much sugar or whatever. Yeah. Because I remember when I, you know, I don't remember what day it was specifically – but I remember waking up like oh, just like the tiniest bit hungover, not even like vomiting or anything. But I was like, I just feel worse. This isn't worth it. Yeah, this is no longer worth it for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's those little realizations and the decision. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that does show a strength to be able to make that decision and follow through. And like you said, it took a couple of years to stick. And uh, you know, a lot of people would or have, you know, made attempts and then it doesn't stick. And they're like, ah, well. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it's like no, you you, you keep trying. You know, if mm -hmm. you really want it, you keep trying. And I think, I think that's uh, one of the hardest things with mental health and people talk. You know, getting uh, figuring these things out for themselves is that that beginning is very difficult, and mm -hmm. your own mind can be a very dark place, full of things that you don't want to deal with or face, and it's easier to just cover them up and, you know, with whatever facade you want to in life. Um, mm -hmm. But if you, again, if you can get through those, fight through them, uh, man, when you come out the other end, you are so strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have anything to add to that great sentiment. <laughs> so uh, you nailed it, boss. <laughs> well, uh, let's. Uh, you've tell us about you know you. Sorry, we will. Uh, we'll let you go here soon. But you have another podcast too, Amateur Detective Club. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that is a podcast where me and my friends Tyler and Melissa. Tyler's on a hiatus, but um, my friend Melissa and I are currently covering only murders in the building, um, where we <laughs> we review mystery media. So we've talked about Clue. We our mainstay is um, Agatha Christie's Poirot. Okay. Um, which is both a television series and also a, you know series of books um, that she wrote, and. Basically, we watch mystery media, we review it, and we, you know, kind of goof around. It's a comedy podcast, but it's like a, one of those rewatch, you know, style yeah. podcasts. A little less depth. I'm also starting a new one, um, if you want a scoop. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm starting <laughs> a podcast about Randy Newman because I'm... Second Randy Newman reference this show. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed <laughs> with him. I think he's the greatest musician I've ever yeah. encountered in my life. He speaks to me on a level that I can't okay. truly explain. 
um because he's funny and sincere and snarky and mean and kind all at the same time yeah he sounds like sometimes he sounds like billy joel and sometimes he sounds like a homeless person playing the piano in in louisiana yeah. like he's <laughs> you know he is such a you see his chart his growth and so i'm starting um a podcast where i'm going to go through all of his albums his discography with guests and have them talk about their favorite tracks but back to amateur detective club um we've covered I mean, I guess I don't really have, I mean, we've had some great guests on, like Travis McElroy was on and stuff like that. And, but like, but yeah, we basically just review mystery media, you know? All right. <laughs> yeah. It's really a simple premise. It's like three, three friends sometimes to talk about a show they just watched and what we liked about it and didn't and try to be funny and fun. All and right. Charming. That sounds great. Yeah. Now, now, where can people find your podcasts? Um, anywhere fine podcasts are sold, but if you want a hub, um, I have a website, you know, tristanjmiller.com and that has all the information of like all my comedy stuff and all my, um, all my podcasts and stuff like that and, and whatnot, um, sundry items. Um, also I think this is a nice segue. You can follow me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, Tristan J. Miller one. That's the thing I use the most that and the TikToks because I am a Zenial. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for noticing. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, those are the two things I've given up on Facebook. I really have. Yeah. I, 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 I understand uh, that I haven't gotten, I haven't figured out Twitter and then TikTok. I think I'm too old for, um, yeah. Which is fine, by the way. Don't feel like I feel like there's a lot of pressure in the entertainment industry to like yeah. <laughs> to be on TikTok all the time and this or like figure out the new thing. It's like I don't know. Sometimes you should just go like do what you're doing. Like the, my most success that I've found is going from town to town, going, "Hey, do you want to see me talk?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, do it old school. Like yeah. the Irish had it right. Go in front of people and talk and entertain them, yeah. and maybe have a point to your story. You yeah. know? Yeah, I don't need to see Wilford Brimley on TikTok. That's the, <laughs> way, that, that's the last thing I need. Oh my uh, god, that's so true. Like sometimes I see, I'm like, I love. Oh my god, I love. Henry Winkler, such a sweet man. Sure. Why is he on TikTok? Yeah, yeah, we don't like, need that. He, we don't need that. I love him. Yeah, God stick, bless him. Stick to Vimeo or something or wherever you're like, at. <laughs> just like he doesn't even need to do anything for the rest of his life. Sure. Yeah, you know? we, yeah. You're on Nick at Night. That's where you're at. Come on. <laughs> That's your streaming platform. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then you've been out uh, working your hour. You're working on. Yeah. Uh, so you've got an hour you're doing. Are you uh, looking at filming, recording, doing anything like that with it? Or what do you. I, I recorded it in September um, okay. here in QED, great venue here in Astoria in New York. Nice. Um, I might be doing another recording because, you know, um, I kind of want to split in between venues because since the subject matter is bipolar disorder, it's really interesting to see how people react to certain things and how they don't to others sure. depending on, like, locale. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm touring it. Um new dates coming out this next year i'm going to start setting that up i'm trying to see if i can get into the edinburgh fringe festival this year but you know i want to it's tricky because i want to release the album before the festival so i'm like do i tour with an an hour that's just available to watch you know oh, you, yeah. this whole thing you know yeah whereas like i you know it's different enough every day like i <laughs> Like I say, it's an hour, but like I generally do about an hour forty-five because yeah. I don't 
can't shut that hell up and i play some music at the end okay so like yeah and i have a <laughs> segueing into that i have a, a a musical comedy ep coming out as well next year um, okay so and that you can know, all be I found tried... on your website yeah that's gonna yeah all that info is on the website as well and also on twitter.com um which Again, that's like daily <laughs> I like, updates. Of I, like, like, I like how you, uh, you, you specified Twitter.com. Like, yeah, use Twitter. the desktop you... version. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> they have an app for that now? They... <laughs> World Wide Web Twitter.com. All one word. <laughs> yeah, put type that into the Google. Uh, yeah, type it into the Google. You'll find it. You know, um, put in Tristan Miller comedian. I'll probably come up first. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm working that. I had, you know, I did a main like little Midwest tour, and then I'm trying to find other places to perform just because it's fun. But it's weird continuing on the tour having recorded probably the main version, right? Yeah. Because I'm kind of like, then what am I doing this for? It's like because it's fun and it's good. Yeah, and you yeah. enjoy it and people like it. But it is like. I'll be frank as well with some other stuff. Like, just like I'm, I'm tuckered out. Sure. <laughs> I had a hell of a year. I would do a couple of funerals. I had to do some traveling for that. And I, it's just been a heck of a year. Yeah. And so I'm part of me is like the, the next m month I'm kind of slowing down a little bit before I revamp and, you know, the following Keep year. Going, yeah. Build back up. That's all right. You got to take that time off. Like I said that, you know, like we talked about that mental health stuff, man. So mm -hmm. that's good. You recognize that. Um, how, uh, how does it feel? Is it kind of daunting releasing that, uh, hour and then feeling like you got to start from scratch again, you know? Oh, these, I already <laughs> have two notebooks filled. You're with already two ready to hours. go. You're ready. I'm to already go. writing new stuff. And okay. I realized it kind of came from a part of me that like I'm coming from the theater, ah, yeah. um, you know, uh, and specifically fringe festivals because Minneapolis has this great fringe festival every summer. Um, if you're someone who tours fringe festivals, that is the best one I've ever been to. Okay. Highly recommend. Um, but, you know, doing that, you come up with an hour show every year. Oh, so wow. for me, yeah. it's like it is daunting on the one hand. I'm like, what am I going to talk about? But then also... You know, it, it it's I know it's doable. I'm yeah. not afraid of it. Sure. And the other thing is, like, I was talking to my friend. He's been doing comedy for a minute. And he's like, how did you, you know, I have all these jokes. How do I connect them together? I'm like, oh, I do the reverse. I write to assignment. I'm like, I want this show to be about this theme. Mm -hmm. And so what are the jokes that can surround this idea? Yeah. And I allow myself to, like, go on tangents because if I don't, my head will explode on stage. Like, <laughs> you know, eraser head. And... But, like, I, it's all one thematic idea. Yeah. And it's, which is why some people call it a one-person show or a solo show. I'm like, it's, it's stand-up, it's fine. It's yeah. just, like, thematic. You right, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, so I already have a couple ideas. And also, what I kind of want to do is put together 20 minutes and tour with, like, my comedian friends and do, like, that sort of thing where we're all just, like, Showcase hanging out. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice, relaxed steaks, you know. A little no less one's... work for you, too, you know. Not not up there dancing for an hour or two, you know. You get a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get to relax a little. But I'll say this, having, now, you know, I'm doing shows. Well, I'm not to brag. I do shows regularly here out in New York. Uh, 
but uh doing eight minutes having done an hour like time is now just like my idea of like how long things are it's just completely skewed oh it yeah messes with your mind yeah, yeah. so quickly of like and like i've been and this is how i know the thing is a good hour of comedy of like so many times like midway through the show i've been like have I only been talking for like 15 minutes? Yeah. Because it's flying by. Right. And I can tell the audience is engaged the whole time. So I'm like, okay, it's going quickly. It's not dragging super great. Where yeah. It's paced. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> it's, it is, it is strange when you get to that point and you're like, man, what, how, you know? Yeah. You like do it, do seven minutes. Like, I don't even know what to, like, what do oh, I do for, se- you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, wh- I'll see people like, you know, sometimes to audition for a club here in new york you have to put together five minutes yeah and i'm like what fucking five minutes yeah i do right yeah where do i what do you want to know (laughs) where do i begin (laughs) yeah how quickly do i speak because i can sound like an auctioneer if i want but like yeah (gasps) yeah it's very it's it's an odd thing but i mean it's a good problem to have but it's yeah Mm, oh for sure you know champagne champagne problem yeah i i'm actually i'm working on uh i'm gonna be uh, filming and recording my hour at the sometime around February, and I've been kind oh, of yeah. I've been kind of like putting the fine tuning on it. I'm touring around doing these shows, doing this hour, and I I'm like I did this one the other night. I told him like so this is like the uh, what I'm doing. Uh, I've got some newer stuff that I'm still working on to get like finish this out, and I'm uh, it could get a little weird. You know, we're just gonna you know so get on board. Let's do this. And then, like, nobody – so it's at, the, it's at this club where there's, you know – they're not, like, a comedy club. There's music venue, and there's cool, mm-hmm. cool swanky spot, though. So no, there's no light. It's just a show. And I get off stage, and the guy's like, hey, man, you just did 76 minutes. And I'm like, all right, so this is going to work out. So the hour <laughs> – so I've got these. So I'm like, all right. Like, <laughs> I think I'll be okay. Amazing. <laughs> so Amazing. <laughs> That's ideal. It's, it's ideal to be able to be like, we're just doing it. Yeah. I mean, I love the way – they do it a lot of the time in England where there's an interval in between, like you get an hour and then there's an intermission yeah. and then you come back and you do another. And I'm like, that makes more sense sure. than what we do. And I'll talk, I'll say as well, I found like overall, I'm like, I do better. You know, you talked about it being not a club. I, I feel like I do better in a theater space mm. just mm-hmm. because those are my kind of people. Yeah. And the show is so again, specifically themed that like, like I've performed at clubs, obviously, and sometimes people are like, uh, "I don't want to hear about how you want to die," you know. <laughs> like I wanted to hear about like white people be like this. Yeah. Where's that? You yeah. know. But hold on, it's funny how I want to die. It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, it, it is. It is. It's legitimately absurd. And wait for it. But yeah, um, there's I think a a lot of kind of antiquated ways of looking at how successful a comedy set is as well. And like these hoops you have to jump through and it's, it's, you know, I complain about it, but I also want it. So I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like how every actor is like, you know, uh, you know, the Oscars don't really mean that much. It's, you know, all political. Oh my God, I'm nominated. Yeah. Thank goodness. You know, it's, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, and we all want it thrust into our sternum. Um, yeah. I, I want to commit emotional <laughs> seppuku every day. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, one day. I believe in you, Tristan. One day. Uh, <laughs> so, Thank you. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll let you out of here for today. Uh, Tristan, again, shout out your uh, social media, uh, tw- the Twitter.com, sure. uh, the <laughs> TikTok, and all that stuff where people can find you. Yeah, it's uh, Twitter.com at Tristan J. Miller, and then it's just Tristan J. Miller all, all the way down for everything else. Okay. Um, the branding is strong youtube.com slash tristan j miller one that's the only one okay all of them have a, a link tree so you can just brrr, find all my stuff got it perfect nice got and easy all right everyone uh go find tristan find a live show uh Check them out. They're going to be somewhere uh, near you. Uh, mm-hmm. If you make it to this side of the country, hit me up, man. I've uh, run a couple shows over here and get you on some stuff probably, so we might be able to work something out. Uh, I'm looking to do that part of the country soon. So. All right. Yeah, let me know. And uh, uh, also uh, check out the podcast, Positive and Negative, uh, Amateur Detective Club, and uh, everything else. And the new podcast coming soon. Uh, which you got a friend in me, you got a friend, a in Randy me. Newman podcast. <laughs> uh, if you love Randy Newman, which all my listeners do, um, it's, <laughs> it's that Vin, that's Venn diagram is a circle. Uh, that <laughs> um, go check out the new podcast. Uh, and as for me, guys, again, go to decomedy.com, check out everything going on. Uh, I'm somewhere near you soon, probably. So, uh, if not, uh, call me, I'll come. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, all right, guys, for the social. Social Hour, Ivan Deese, and for Tristan, thank you very much, everyone, and we will see you next week.